Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Gary. And in a little bit, I'll be joined by a special guest and we'll get to the football. But before I start today's show, I want to take a minute and just a minute to recognize that there are more important things going on in the world than, say, how the Browns' improvement at offensive tackle will lift Baker Mayfield's game. On this specific show, we're not going to cover the killing of George Floyd or the ensuing protests going on across the U.S., though you will find coverage of it elsewhere on Sports Illustrated and SI.com. But I would encourage anyone who, you know, quite frankly, you have the time to take a few minutes to listen to this show to also take a few minutes out of your day or out of your week to please inform yourself about what we all now recognize is a desperate need for reform of our criminal justice system and the state of policing and policing policies, whether it's merely a drastic overhaul of the current system or a full on police abolition. I'd specifically recommend the Marshall Project. They're a nonprofit group that researches criminal justice system reform. Uh, It's the only thing they do. They've done it for a few years now, and they do it exceptionally well. It's a really wonderful resource. And uh, just one other thing, regardless of where you choose to go for your information, if you are reading an article or watching a show or listening to some goober politician tell you to uh, to fear Antifa and Antifa is behind all these problems, stop. 
move on. You're in the wrong place. You're getting bad information. You might as well be watching, you know, syndicated Walker, Texas Ranger to shape your worldview. And I, I think we all know when it comes to Walker, Texas Ranger, there is no way anyone has roundhouse kicked that many people through that many plate glass windows. It's, it's just unfeasible. So I challenge you, be informed and be open-minded because if there's one thing that's now abundantly clear, it's that where we need to get to doesn't look anything like where we are right now. And for anyone going out to exercise their right to peacefully protest, please be safe. Now, on to the football things. So hey, it's Gary again, and uh, now I want to introduce our special guest. It is... Andy Benoit, a uh, boy. Andy, your your beard's looking great. I don't know about the hair though. When, when's the last haircut uh, you had? Well, it, uh, or no, it looks like ha- you trimmed the side. Yeah, I did get the haircut. He left it longer than usual. I'm fine with that. Um, trying something new, and he knew what he was doing. Okay. Um, I did not style it today, which I normally don't, but I feel like I have to with this one. But yeah, my hair's hoarse, and I combed it right before we started because I knew you'd see me. I was going to say, uh, I styled my hair. I put on my, my tux and tied my bow tie myself, and that's what I do every show. Your hair is tamer than usual. Now, you know, we've started like four shows in the last half year talking about our hair. It's like our <laughs> form of talking about the weather. <laughs> and we live in different towns, so we're not talking about the weather. We see each other's hair, and that's what we talk about. That's how we start our phone calls, though. Check in on each other's hair. <laughs> What's the texture today? Uh, so we uh, listen. We have a couple of uh, good questions that were left over from last week, and and a couple of you, a couple of you just missed the deadline. I mean, you should feel uh, tremendous shame in that you didn't send your questions until Monday for the show that came out Monday morning, and that's just, I mean, come on, that's embarrassing, guys. But uh, we're going to do you a favor and and answer some of your questions anyway. Uh, we have four real good ones here. I think these are ones that we probably will go a little bit deeper on than some of our typical mailbag stuff. But uh, uh, this first one uh, is coming from. Chris, uh, and this is uh, this is about Baker Mayfield. A couple of a uh, uh, sort of a two-part question here. How much better off is Baker Mayfield with one his new offensive tackles and two Kevin Stefanski's offense? Are we looking at an MVP type breakout? Uh, I want to I, I want to break it up just a bit for a second here, Andy, and and just just ask you. We know being a smallish quarterback is very important to have that interior uh, protection for Baker Mayfield. Uh, on top of that, uh, we do know that, obviously, their offensive tackle play was atrocious last year. It was a huge problem. And uh, But let's just... Let's... let's just pretend that uh, Jack Conklin and, and Jedrick Wills, the, the first-round pick, they are going to be quality uh, left tackle and right tackle there, and, and they're going to be solid at those positions this year. It, had that been the case last year, if they had like solid offensive tackle play, uh, what's your sense? How much better would Mayfield have been? Well, that's obviously a chicken or egg kind of question because May- Mayfield was not Mayfield was not good a lot of the time last year, and there were times that he made his offensive line look worse than it was by playing inefficiently, not necessarily moving as well within the pocket as he's capable of moving. He didn't see the field with the same rhythm and clarity last year as he did as a rookie. Then we could decide or discuss, is that because, was it was he uncomfortable because he knew his offensive tackles weren't great? Remember, those guys, it's not just when Greg Robinson doesn't block somebody, the quarterback gets hit. It's also that the quarterback 
goes into the next snap knowing uh, Greg's probably not going to get this guy blocked. And now your quarterback's playing different, perhaps. So it's it's an either-or. There's a shared responsibility there. Blockers must protect QBs, but QBs must help their blockers. And I didn't think either of those sides did that last season. I, I am optimistic for Mayfield hitting the reset button and being fine there because he was solid in that sense as a rookie. He I didn't have I didn't feel like I was watching a guy with pocket issues when you put on the film. And then Stefanski's scheme is so much about passing downs uh, or excuse me passing the ball on running downs that there's going to be a lot less stress put on the offensive lineman just by the nature of the offense. Mm. And I think that's going to help Mayfield a lot as well. Again, cuz remember, the quarterback's aware of how life is for his offensive line. So if that old line's not feeling stressed, there's a good chance Mayfield's going to feel a lot less stress as well. I was going to say with the Stefanski offense, I mean, I, you know, obviously what he ran in, in Minnesota was very run heavy. Uh, that that was very much what Mike Zimmer wanted uh, to do there. So, uh, I mean, are we going to see sort of just Mayfield working off play action a lot? Would you anticipate that? Would you anticipate something a little more expansive than what we saw from Stefanski uh, in, in Minnesota? Well, no, I think Stefanski is going to do a lot of the run stuff that he did already. Uh, I know Mike Zimmer wanted to play that way, but Stefanski found out that that fashion of football works for them. And if you look at their offseason moves, you know, they signed Andy Janovich, a fullback from Denver. They signed Austin Hooper at tight end. They drafted Harrison Bryant in the fourth round at tight end. And then they brought back David Njoku, which I think surprised some people. Um... So they, they, they plan on playing with two backs or two tight ends on the field quite a bit because they're telling you that by who they're investing in. They did not go out and find wide receiver depth, even though it's not a great-looking receiving core once you get outside of Mayfield or uh, uh, Jarvis Landry and, and, and Odell Beckham. So I think they're going to play out of base personnel, Gary, and I think that's going to help Mayfield quite a bit this season. All right. Good to hear. Well, you know, one other one other thing, though, about Mayfield that, yeah, that, yeah it's a big thing. Throwing the ball. He was, he was not as effective physically throwing the ball last year. That's probably part of what we're talking about with everything else. He's not as comfortable. His, his feet probably aren't getting set the same way. Mm-hmm. But Stefanski's whole attitude about quarterback inaccuracy, I've had this conversation Stefanski, I believe, was the assistant QB coach in Minnesota when I first met him back in 2012. It's a long time ago. He went to lunch with Bill Musgrave. And Bill Musgrave, by the way, offensive coordinator of the Vikings, had the entire macaroni grill menu memorized. Every item on the menu, Whoa. he's that big of macaroni. It's like, it was like his call sheet. He held, he held the menu out, and it, it, there was a change to the appetizers. Like the third one from the top was changed, and he noticed that and asked the waitress about it, and how's the new appetizer going? So anyway, during that lunch, I heard Stefanski say for the first time of many times since, when a quarterback's missing and he's off target, uh, the tendency for a lot of coaches is to say, oh, you know, your foot's off. Your, your foot has to be pointed at what you're throwing at or your elbow needs to be tucked or all these little minutiae that goes into throwing the ball. And Stefanski's attitude is sometimes a quarterback just misses. Throw, throw the ball better. If you have a question about it, well, he can teach you that stuff. I'll teach you the mechanics. But he's not going to drill that into the guy. He doesn't want robotic throwers. And I'll be really interested to see how that goes for Mayfield because – 
none of what we're talking about matters if Mayfield doesn't throw the ball better. And Mayfield's completely capable of it because he, we saw him throw the ball really well as a rookie. He was a good thrower in college. And I imagine Stefanski's attitude will be, hey, Baker, that you know you threw the ball extremely well your first year. Let's just go play. If you have some issues, we can figure it out. But, uh, you know, just, just throw the ball. You'll be fine. Okay. Uh, I, I'm I'm frantically looking for a macaroni grilled menu here just to see how impressed I should be. Uh, it's not that big a menu. Well, it, really? I mean, no, this one. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's a chain restaurant. Yeah, they, they you know they do few things and they do it well. I think is what I would say if I, I remember at there were grill. items on both sides of. I mean, now I'm looking at macaroni grill menu. There were items on both sides, like uh, of the menu. It's uh, like rich items, like twenty items over here, twenty over there. It was a two. It was a full two-page menu. Really? Okay. Well, what I'm what looking, looking at. What are mean, you looking at? I don't. Maybe you're looking at like a special carry-out only menu. No, right I'm looking now. at. I'm looking at main menu. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I see. Create your own pasta. I mean, there's yeah. That's how they do it. It's you know, it's it's like an offense that runs a lot of plays out of the same look. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. it, when you have create your own pasta, it, it looks like you don't. Yeah, do it's that just many a lot things, of window dressing. Yeah, yeah, all those combinations. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if they don't come in as advertisers now. I I, I don't know what would close the deal. Uh, let's go to next question. This is Ryan from Arkansas. How important are linebackers in Mike Nolan's scheme? Uh, new uh, Cowboys coordinator, defensive coordinator Mike Nolan. How important are the linebackers in his scheme, and how well do Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch fit? Well, all right, Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith are the kind of talent that they should fit well in every scheme. And that doesn't mean that they don't do some things better than other things, but they, those are two first-class star players when they're at their best. We haven't seen Mike Nolan run his own system in quite a while. Last time mm-hmm. we saw him, he was is 2014 in Atlanta. He was defensive coordinator. I'd argue, Gary, tell me if you disagree. I'd argue that was a different era, even though it wasn't too long ago. I think it's a little bit of a different era for football. That's fair. Things have changed fast the last five years. Yeah, I mean, it's not radically different, but Nolan was in New Orleans the last three seasons, and the Saints, and he coached the linebackers for the Saints. The Saints linebackers got markedly better there, especially Demario Davis. And what made them so much better, especially Demario Davis, was the system really put the linebackers in position to to play fast. It was one thing to read and then react to it. They didn't do a lot of match zone stuff with multiple reads. If they did go match zone, they usually had man principles for the linebackers right out of it. It, it. There wasn't a lot to process for those linebackers, and it really took advantage of their strength, which was their playing speed. That would be very similar for Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh. They have outstanding playing speed. None of this to say these guys can't process a lot of information. Demario Davis, that's not to say that either, but they became, Davis became a better player when they said just either blitz them or go pick up a guy in man-to-man. You got one thing to handle on each play. Now go go be an animal about it. And I I think they're going to do the same thing with Vanderesh and Jalen Smith, just because of the the amount of sheer physical talent that those two linebackers possess. 
I want to pose this question, which you probably won't like, but I'll pose it anyway. Uh, if Mike Nolan was your defensive coordinator and you were uh, like running an expansion team and you kind of like, you know, it, it's like, where do you want to put your resources? Because I feel like the Cowboys have an unusual uh, amount of resource in, investment in their in their linebackers here. Obviously, they, they have talent at other spots, too. But um, where would you build first for a Mike Nolan defense? Yeah, and you're right. They do have a lot of resources at linebacker, and they were running that Chris Richard, Rod Marinelli spot drop zone defense. Marinelli's the Tampa 2. Chris Richard's obviously the Seahawks-style defense, and both of those schemes, especially that Seattle-style scheme, puts a big emphasis on linebackers. Look at Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright and what those guys have meant to Seattle. Uh, or San Francisco this year, they went out and signed Quan Alexander in the offseason. They drafted uh, Reuben Foster a few years ago. didn't work out, but Fred Warner's worked out really well. Another relatively high pick, third-round pick. So it's linebackers are important in that scheme, and now Dallas is doing a different scheme but they've got those great linebackers still. To answer your question, Gary, I would put him at cornerback because Mike Nolan, I believe in his heart of hearts, wants to come after you. And that was the big... In Atlanta, even though it was a different era, there was an overarching philosophy that Nolan had. It's one that we talk about a lot on this show, which is he believed he could scheme pressure as long as he had guys who could cover one-on-one. And give me a guy that can handle the receivers. I don't have to give extra bodies over mm-hmm. to help in coverage. Now we got options for how to use those bodies as blitzers. That's Mike Nolan's view of football at 30,000 feet. And with the way the NFL is now, Gary, so many RPOs, or not so many, but it's a, it's a mainstream factor, and there's so many quick strike throws, the best way to defend both of those quick throws and RPOs is to play man-to-man coverage and get right up on the guy and take away the passing game right off the snap. So I have no reason to believe Nolan wouldn't be as committed to man coverage now as he was in Atlanta. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 
2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my day. <laughs> Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Uh, next question. This is uh, Nick from London. We're going to stay with the uh, cornerback theme here. Uh, Andy, you've been quite vocal about the value Logan Ryan can still bring to a team. Mike Vrabel recently hinted that the Titans haven't signed him because they are seeing more and more vertical routes being run from the slot, and so they want a slot corner who can cover those well. Is this a trend you've also noticed, and what will it mean for defensive schemes and changes in defensive personnel decisions going forward? That's a really interesting question. I would, I, I, I'd, I'd love to hear what, how Vrabel said that if he was asked a question or what brought that up. Because what's interesting about that, and I've had long conversations with Vrabel about defending the slot route. So I, I mean, I, 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 he has a lot of views on it. But what's interesting that they do so much zone coverage to defend the slot mm-hmm. and rotating defensive backs in and out of the slot back to safety, different spots. And Logan Ryan was part of that or blitzing him off the slot. With all due respect to, to, to coach Vrabel, I don't, I don't think their system asks guys to cover one-on-one from the slot vertically nearly as much as other systems might. Now that doesn't mean you still don't need guys who can do it. And Vrabel, I know when he was in Houston, he did play a lot of quarters coverage and quarters coverage with each defender taking one-fourth of the field, usually you wind up playing man-to-man on the slot as part of that equation. And maybe he plans on doing more quarters coverage now that he's back to likely being the one who calls the defense with uh, as uh, uh, Dean Pease is gone. Dean Pease was the coordinator last year, and Dean Pease played a lot of cover too. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But, you know, that's that's substance that Vrabel gave. That wasn't just a stock answer. If they're looking for a guy who can cover the slot – uh, that's that's real substance that he's providing. I do see they have they have Jonathan Joseph on their roster now. I, I was not aware, or at least I'd forgotten that. Um, Joseph came from Houston, so Vrabel knows familiarity there. Maybe they're mm-hmm. going to be doing more of the Houston Texans coverages this year. 
Yeah. Well, I was going to say Jonathan Joseph doesn't run any better than uh, Logan Ryan. I'm sure Jonathan no, he, Joseph and, and, runs any better than either of us at this point. Yeah, that's true. And, and Joseph ha- has played really well despite, you know, he lost his speed about five years ago. Yeah. And he's still been a highly effective corner. Um, Christian Fulton, their second round pick. I, I know he was pretty up and down at LSU in man coverage, wasn't he, Gary? Yeah, it was always a, a little bit tricky to read just because, uh, you know, everyone was going at him because they didn't want to throw at the uh, the freshman uh, uh, Stingley at LSU. So he got picked on a lot. Uh, you mm-hmm. could you could definitely say up and down, though. Okay. Just trying to figure out who they envision being their slot. It's not going to be Joseph. He doesn't have the change of direction to, to play the slot. Um, I mean, would you Fulton, do a Dory Jackson? I've, I've always thought Jackson looks like he could do it. I think Malcolm Butler looks the part a little bit. Jackson would mm-hmm. probably be a better fit there. Um, Fulton, I think the change of direction was a little problematic in some people's eyes at LSU as well. Uh, they really don't have a pure slot guy on the roster, which would also lead you to believe that maybe they're doing more man-to-man coverage. It's not, it's hard to say, but um, I'll be eager to see because their corners can play in a lot of different spots. I do think Logan Ryan was a great player for them in the context of their scheme last year. And there was talk about Logan Ryan going to the Jets. That would be a perfect fit because the Jets are the most similar stylistically of any team in the NFL to Tennessee. The system's built on disguise cover two concepts, and that's where Ryan really, really brings a lot of value. They could uh, they could also use the help. Not only is he a fit, they need some uh, bodies there in that secondary. Yep, they do. They Because they, they're, I mean, it's Brian Poole right now, who I think is purely a slot guy, and Pierre Desir. And so if they did sign Logan Ryan, uh, Ryan would play either the slot or outside. That'd be interesting to see between he and Brian Poole who played where. But the reason they're not great at that position at, at the defensive back is because they play so much cover too. So they don't feel like they need to invest heavily in cornerbacks because cornerbacks always have help help defenders around them in their scheme. Uh, let's get at least one more question here. This is Lance from Maryland. Uh, with the Ravens' offensive attack designed specifically around unique players, especially Lamar Jackson, how could the Ravens' offense still run? How would the Ravens' offense still want run if it were to be without any of those key players like a Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, the tight ends, the offensive linemen, etc.? So uh, let's uh, let's take Lamar out of the equation to start with here. Uh, when you look at this Ravens offense, Andy, is there anyone like can can they can they be without Mark Andrews or or, or can they you know we're going to see him try and replace Marshall Yonda this year? I mean, it is you know a hole in the offensive line, you know, going to threaten to completely disrupt this offense or uh, you know is it is it one of these other weapons? Well, that's a good question. Um... They're often, to me, obviously Lamar Jackson is the starting place of the offense and the defining piece of that offense. And to me, the next defining piece is all of the pre-snap motioning that they do to mm-hmm. set up their running game and, and even their passing game, but especially their running game. And that, you know, obviously you can do that with anybody. Now, doing it with better players is superior to doing it with average players or worse players, of course. But it gets into the old discussion of how much of it's the scheme and how much of it is our guys. And Greg Roman, their their run game designer, he it's a lot. He's a big schemer, and he'll. I think he would tell you we do a lot with scheme. Uh, having Lamar helps so much because you have to defend him in the running game differently than you would any other quarterback. 
I don't think there's any guy in this scheme that's that's not replaceable other than Lamar Jackson. Interesting. It's and I don't mean that to see, like look if they took Ronnie Stanley out of the lineup who I thought was a borderline All Pro left tackle I, I mean I, I, he was right there for All Pro and I I thought he was sensational last year if they took him out and just put in any old guy Andre Smith their veteran backup are they going to be worse of course they're going yeah. to be worse yeah but they're not going to necessarily play differently I don't know if there's anybody on the offense that would that they've that they've built around and their skill set other than Lamar Jackson because how could you not and that's the reason they like Mark Ingram by the way Ingram is and J.K. Dobbins I imagine is this way they're the second round pick now they're rookie out of Ohio State you handle the ball, and he runs exactly where the play is designed for the ball to be run. He, he he runs the plays as they're designed. That's what they want there in Baltimore because they're confident in their ability to design those plays. I will say I was shocked when I was going through some uh, snap count uh, information from last year. I was shocked that uh, Mark Andrews played like fewer than half the snaps. I know he's banged yep. up a little bit, especially late in the year, but uh, he was, you know, he. I mean, what? He was, let me get the exact number up here, uh, 467 snaps over 15 games, which is, I mean, that's less than half. Yeah, it is. And I, and I would argue, I think you could argue, and I've had this discussion with people from the Ravens and people who have played against the Ravens, and I know Mark Andrews went to the Pro Bowl, and I understand why, and he's a, a really valuable receiver, and I think he's an okay enough blocker, certainly. I think you could argue in their offense, Nick Boyle is their most valuable tight end. And Nick Boyle's the guy that plays the most of those three. It was It was three. Hayden Hurst obviously won't play many snaps for them this year. But last year they were putting three guys out there. And Boyle's the one that played, I'm guessing, what was he, Gary, 65%, 60, 65? Ooh, pretty good. 783 snaps out of uh, 1125 on the season. Uh, you're gonna have so, to give me the percent as well. That's, uh, that's, I'll, come I'll on, don't, punch ex- it don't in. expose me like that. No, no, I'll punch it in. But you were, I, I'm saying, like you were. That was a pretty good guess. You are right around uh, 65 percent there. Are you, are you punching it in still? I am. What, I okay. am. Computer. What's the answer? What you're oh, seeing it's... doesn't have it next to it already. No, no, no. Because I just I, I use our StatSync account uh, because it it just it makes me happy. Um, just under 70%. Okay, high 60s. Wow, yeah. So yeah. he's their fullback slash tight. He's their H-back. He's their, he's their most movable piece at the tight end position, and that's a big deal in their scheme, again, because of the way they, they play. And, um, you know, ESPN.com, I think it was, not to, not to ever promote anyone other than Sports Illustrated, but ESPN.com had a really interesting article last season about the number of snaps that Baltimore's had where the guy in motion is basically equal with the ball at the time of the snap. In other words, he's not left of the ball. He's not to the right of the ball. He's basically where the ball is. And that's a huge part of how they play there because when you do that, you don't know where to set the strength of the formation. If one guy is equal with the ball, is he part of the weak side or the strong side? If he moves, does he move which side's weak side and strong side? That's how defense is set. They, they set their defense and their rules to the formation and to certain guys. So that's why Baltimore moves their guys all the time. They're really advanced with that. And I would imagine, especially given how San Francisco's had so much success with this as well, and, and the Rams in past years, they, that's what they do the jet sweeps for is because mm-hmm. it sets all these strength, strength of formation issues. It sets gap control issues just by the rules of the defense. 
I would bet in five to seven or eight years, 75% of snaps will have this kind of motion. Not not two-minute snaps because those you got to go fast, but just regular snaps. I think teams are going to start doing this more and more because that's where scheming takes place now is before the snap. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty devious stuff. Yeah, it is devious stuff, and uh, that's that's the kind of stuff that Greg Roman's really proud of, and and it's the kind of stuff that's worked really well for them. So picture all of that, and then add in that the guy that gets the ball at the time where you don't know if the ball's to the strength or the weak side. You know, the guy that's handing the ball the whole time is Lamar Jackson, the league's MVP. Who last year there were a lot of cases where the defense did handle Baltimore's run game just fine, and Lamar Jackson just, he was better than the guy trying to tackle him. He outran people. and it, it, Almost, Gary, he was so dynamic at, at outrunning people, at getting the edge, that there were times it looked like the defense had gotten gashed and was not cap sound when really they were. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my goodness. I mean, there were some, outside of it, you know, getting the edge, if you just lean a little bit uh, into the wrong spot against this this uh, offense here, he's just so fast he can't recover. Um, yeah, and and he's fast. He gets he gets fast really fast. His acceleration yeah. is effortless and almost deceptive. Um, so he, he, we've said this before, but he's in his own class of mobility. It's it's you, he's it's Lamar Jackson than everyone else for mobility, and so when you're talking about handling quarterback mobility, how do you defend these read options? You're really talking about the everyone else because there's not a good set answer for Lamar Jackson right now, and there's nobody close to him as a QB mobility wise. I say, God forbid he get uh, hurt at any point in in 2020 here, but uh, would they just run the same offense with with Robert Griffin the third? Is is that what your your guess would be if if they had to go with the backup? Yeah, they they would, and and that's we've had this discussion. Actually, had it about Robert Griffin years ago when when he was struggling to find a job in the NFL. You and I debated: Do you want your backup quarterback to be the same as your starter in terms of style, or do you want him to be different? And I've always been a believer of I want my guy to be the same because of what you just said. I want to run the offense so everyone else has practiced the offense. We've learned it all season. I want to run the offense the way we designed when the backup's in. But I know you've always felt like you want a different backup quarterback. I like the chaos. Uh, I think this was, by the way, I think this was our first show together that we had this conversation. Did we? But, um, I wouldn't vi- have been. Com- I would not have been comfortable enough with you on our first show to have an intimate conversation about uh, to the degree of backup quarterbacking. I sprung it on you. It was a live podcast. You weren't prepared. But uh, no, I, yeah, I, I like the chaos of it. I, I like the fact that, um, and, and again, you just reach a certain drop off with the sort of stylistic backups. Like, you know, I, I think it was sort of the, the Matt Castle line a couple years ago where you just say, okay, you know, you can do the, you can run the same offense, but it's just being run so poorly that it's, it's not worth doing it. So why not just have a guy who's going to create and, you know, going to give you some bad, but also going to at least give you a chance to do some good. So do you think it matters how many games you're playing? Because if I if I knew the backups in for one, two, maybe three games, I might be able to go with what you're saying there. Let's just get through it. But if you got a backup that has to play for four to six weeks or, you know, heaven forbid, you have to finish a season with your backup. Does that change your thinking at any point then? Um, if it was like four to six weeks, 
The chaos I at guess, some point becomes on your end of things. Yes. Well, the chaos and then also the fact that, you know, there there can be a certain amount of preparation for the chaos that you have unveiled uh, with, with your different stylistic quarterback. So, yeah, I, I think it maybe gets a little bit stale the longer it runs out. But, again, I think the issue is when you, uh, you know, if you're saying we want a guy who's the same stylistically, it's like, well, okay, how how low are you going as far as the quality goes? And, and when does it reach a point where uh, it's just not worth it? Even though you're running the same offense, it's just not uh, – the guy running it is just not capable of running an NFL-caliber offense. I mean, the, the, the Jets last year, I mean – you know, God bless yeah. Luke Falk, but uh, you know Luke Falk. I'm sure could run a lot of the same concepts. It was just he was, you know, not good enough at it to score points. Yeah, it's. I know. I, I agree with you. And I, I I get to spend some time with the Jets and was in their quarterback room. And I can tell you, Luke Falk knows that offense yeah. top to bottom. He's a he's a very smart football player. Uh, it's just it's the NFL and it's it's hard. And what happens with because Luke Falk can play, so to speak, but with guys like that where they're just not as physically gifted, you need players around them to play really well. You can't have you can't have defensive ends getting in the backfield. You can't have corners beating your wide receivers. The quarterback needs to really be helped by the guys around him, and and you you'd like the scheme to do to do that a little bit as well. Um, the part we have to also remember with Lamar Jackson, so back to the, the idea if Robert Griffin were in for Lamar, they're running the same offense. They're not going to be as good at it, of course, and Griffin can run, but he's, he's not close to Lamar as a mobile QB. And there's a big drop-off in the passing part. Lamar Jackson is a very good passing quarterback as well, and his numbers, we're not big numbers guys on this show, Gary, but... I mean, shoot, 36 touchdowns, six interceptions. And I know I went, I've went. i been studying interceptions very closely this offseason. Lamar Jackson, between weeks 6 and 16, threw one ball the entire time that could have been intercepted. So it, not only is he not throwing, he's not throwing dropped interceptions. He, the guy has 35 touchdowns and had an 11-game stretch where there wasn't a chance to even intercept a single one of his throws. So if you're just playing drop-back football, now I don't think that's I don't know if you could do that with Jackson every single snap drop back drop back drop back uh but within the context of their offense their drop back passing game is very good and he might be at his point soon where you could drop back with him snap after snap he's really going in the right direction on that side of things that was a that was a very numbersy moment for this show yeah it was it's well it's because I got I had that interception Jim I wanted to to tee it up Nice, nice. That was a that was the perfect finale to this episode. Uh, Andy, once again, we thank you for uh, joining us, and uh, we will say this is just goodbye for now. All right, thanks, Gary. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is me, Gary Gramling. Special thanks again to Andy Benoit for joining me for this one. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Keep up with our entire line of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Antonia Blunt. 
Blythe and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.